So this is Adulting with Rebecca Adams. Hello and welcome to Series 2 of So This is Adulting. I'm continuing my quest to become a fully rounded adult today with the help of Toby Tarrant, who will talk to me about the importance of mental health. Before I chat to him, though, let me tell you a story. I lost my mother to cancer when I was 16 years old. I decided to ignore the pain and push it aside. Looking back now, I did this because I didn't want to come to terms with the fact that my mother had died and whilst all of my other family members got help, I chose to ignore my feelings and move on as I kept telling myself it would get better. It never did. Over 10 years later, I decided to get help and my therapist at the time said to me that this delay has caused major trauma in my life, which I should have got help right away. Better late than never, right? I don't want to go on and on about my story as this episode is not about me. It's about all the other people out there suffering with their mental health. Please don't do what I did and be ashamed to get help and push your feelings to the side get help. It would literally help you and in some case, save you. So this is adulting. To help me understand the importance of mental health, uh, I am joined by Toby Tarrant. Toby, how are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you, Rebecca. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Can't complain. This nice weather. This weather is so unpredictable. One minute it's cold, the other minute it's like it's hot. But today's nice weather and you're in a really nice Hawaiian shirt, which I, makes I'm, it really I'm, good for the weather. Well, I'm in a Hawaiian shirt, shorts and like sandals just because the sun came out. It's still only like <laughs> 20, 21 degrees. But I was like, if ever I'm going to wear a Hawaiian shirt, it feels like 21 degrees is about as good as it's going to get this summer. So I know. I decided Anything to give above it- 20, it's like, yeah, let, let's do it. Let's bring the Hawaiian shirt out. Yeah, exactly. I've got about 50 Hawaiian shirts and the way this summer's going, I'm not going to get to wear any of them. So I decided 20 degrees, that'll do. That'll do. I know, I know. So what have you been up to lately? Because obviously for those who might not know, you're the Radio X presenter um, from, is it 10 to 1 that you do? Yeah, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday to Friday. So yeah, I mean, I've been working. I guess radio has kind of proven itself to be quite invincible throughout the pandemic. I think whereas TV shows have really struggled with not having, you know, people in the studio live and stuff like that, radio has kind of proven itself to be pretty invincible because we don't need too much. We need a microphone and basically, I don't really know how it all works, some sort of satellite or something, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But basically, radio has been good. So so uh, I've been really lucky, really, really lucky in terms of, uh, getting out and going to work every day throughout the pandemic and having a bit of structure. And so I've never really dared complain at any point over the last 18 months. Yeah. I speak, I'll speak to friends and family, mates, you know, who are on furlough or mates who have lost their jobs and mates who are working from home the whole time. And there I am setting an alarm every morning, going to work. So I've ha- I've not felt it as uh, as keenly as a lot of people so I, I dare complain basically I know that's like me as well whenever I do complain sometimes about work because I do I work in radio and like some publicity as well whenever I want to complain I'm like no 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 I can't complain like I'm lucky to even have two jobs nor some people don't even have one so it's good to have that mentality to have like if you're like oh, I can't be bothered going to work. It's like, well, at least I have a job because this pandemic has affected so many people. But do you feel that pressure that, because a lot of media personalities, people are turning to you for entertainment during the pandemic. Did you have that lot of pressure? Because you do have a lot of fans in radio. Yeah, I didn't didn't necessarily feel pressure. Um, I'd say that you had to be wary on air, like you say there. You had to be wary of never whinging never complaining because you I was always self-aware enough to recognize that I'm there presenting a national radio show which a lot of people would chop an arm off to present <laughs> and uh, and there's people sat at home at the minute you know having a crap time of it um no I mean I definitely the show is you know I almost feel bad and guilty but my show's probably been bigger than ever because of people being at home normally at 10 a.m people are in the office and you know we can see the figures and Normally from about 8.30 onwards, they start to to peter down because people are, are heading into the office and stuff. Whereas I've had so many people working from home. So 
the whole point of radio really i guess if you look at it from a commercial point of view is to get your listening figures up and probably this is the biggest show I've ever been so I wow feel a little bit, that's interesting I, well i feel a little bit bad that at times i feel like my show has benefited from a pandemic which is, yeah, which is not, a, yeah. <laughs> not a great situation to be in but uh no it's the show's felt huge i think it's actually been really nice because um there's been so much interaction. I've probably got more texts and tweets per show than ever before because people have got the time to pick up their phone and text into the show. And whereas normally yeah. people are frantically running around, but if you're working from home, um, but it's nice. The Radio X listeners are great. I'm not just saying that because I have to, they genuinely are. Um, they get the station. I think we connect with them really well as presenters. And uh, yeah. they've been, they, they make, I mean, the beauty is the Radio X listeners are so funny that they make my show so easy because I just read out something funny they've said and it makes my show sound better. So yeah, they've been great. <laughs> yeah, it's been, the listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's been a weird, it's been, a, do you know what? Without, it's without, look, I'm not a, I think sometimes we're guilty of uh, in media overplaying our part and thinking that we're changing the world. But I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, someone who's worked for the NHS or anything like that. But yeah. it's, been a, it's been a rewarding time to be on the radio because people have been texting and tweeting and saying that the show's really helped and that the radio stations really helped. So from yeah. that point of view, it has been a really nice time to be on air, but I feel a bit bad. <laughs> no, don't feel bad. Like I know you're going to be like, don't discredit yourself because you might not think that you're doing a lot, but your voice, your content without knowing can make someone's day better. Like I know you think you're just pressing some buttons, but no, you actually are most likely making someone day. So don't discredit yourself. Like obviously <laughs> – the NHS workers, those people are amazing, but what you're doing is like amazing as well. You know what I mean? Obviously you can't compare the two, but you are in some sense, like I guess saving lives as cheesy as that sounds, but you know, I know you are a big mental health advocate from what I've spoken to a few people about. How has your mental health been during the pandemic? Like I know you said you get to still go to work, but has your mental health been impacted? I know with me, it's been impacted. I live by myself all my family's back at home in Australia my mental health, like, it's crazy. It's, it's been, like, up and down, but how's yours been? Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, genuinely, I've, I mean, like I said earlier on, I've been very fortunate, you know, my, my much better half, Pippa, who you've had on this podcast before as well, so we live together, but we also work together, so we've both been going into work and stuff, and so we've kind of, you know, kept each other's pecker up throughout the whole thing. Um, like everyone, you know, uh, at the beginning, I think a bit scared of the whole thing. It felt like the mm. end of days. It feels like a lifetime ago now, but you know, sort of March, April last year when lockdown first happened, I think everyone was a bit just scared and shocked and freaked out. And uh, and then more recently, just a bit bored <laughs> of the oh whole my thing, gosh, like, I know. like everybody is. Um, but genuinely, I think um, I, I try and stay really in tune with my mental health. And, and me and Pips are good at checking in with each other and and asking each other and also we know each other well enough now you know we've been together four years we know each other when the other one's having a bit of a low day and stuff but genuinely um I, I don't think I've I've suffered too much over the last 18 months certainly not as a lot of people have but I am um very in tune with my mental health at all times I, I, I'm trying to be honest with myself and check in on it um and 99% of the time I'm very fortunate that I am annoyingly happy as most people will tell you that that, that know me but... you are very positive you are <laughs> like you are a generally positive person you can just sense that and that's good though yeah it is and I think that's why you know I'm 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 very big on, on male mental health is because maybe I I have that luxury of being an annoyingly positive happy person but that if anything that sometimes gives me a bit more perspective on the whole topic and, yeah. you know, and the opportunity to spot when people that I know and love aren't at a hundred percent and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on the male mental health thing. It's, um, it's important that everybody talks about it, but I feel like with my, you know, my, I'm very fortunate for some reason, quite a lot of people follow me on social media and listen to my show. And so I recognize I've got a platform and I would feel, I'd, I would feel pretty terrible if I didn't use it for just talking about knobs and playing Oasis songs. So it's nice to <laughs> yeah, use it for exactly. something meaningful occasionally. Yeah. Why do you think um, a lot of men don't speak about their mental health? A, a mental health, um, like there's been three ma males in my family that have unfortunately committed suicide on my dad's side. So mental health and depression for my dad's side of the family is a lot. Um, a close 
relative to me, I won't, I don't want to like mention his name, but someone intimate to my family, very close, had like depression for like three years, was doing very, very bad. But why do you think men don't speak about their mental health? I know obviously a lot of women don't, but why do you think the stigma with male mental health isn't really talked about? Um, I, I think it's a generational thing. Um, you know, my, my grandfather fought in the Second World War. He got two military crosses. He was a major. He, after the things he saw, he came home and he never spoke about it again. He never talked about it. And and we only wow. found out some of the stuff that he'd been through after he passed away. And my dad, you know, did a bit of research on it. And even my dad, you know, he's 74. He never talks about his, you know, male mental health, although I have no doubt that he's had his struggles. Me and, he's my best mate, my dad, and me and him are close as anything. But it, it's not something that he's ever brought up with me, really. So I think it's a generational thing, the old stiff upper lip attitudes, and that gets passed down a lot. Um, also, and that's why it's not helpful when people from that generation, you know, recently people like Piers Morgan and Jeremy Clarkson have pretty much advocated that old stiff upper lip and asked the question, oh, why can't men just be a bit tougher and stuff like that? Um, that's not useful. Um, and, you no, know, yeah. not at all. And, and Piers Morgan's a man who stormed off set when he couldn't stand up to his weatherman on Good Morning Britain. And oh, my Clark. gosh, I know. And he, <laughs> even what he did with that recently, with that lady for dropping out of the Olympics for her mental health. like Exactly. And then Meghan Markle, um, you don't know what someone's going through. And these are probably one of the reasons why people are a bit too afraid. Obviously, Piers Morgan's not the only one to blame, but there are other people no, out there are pretty much course. like ashamed, yeah. you know? Do you think um, that's the case? Like people are well, ashamed to talk about their mental health? The the silly thing is, is that Piers Morgan and Jeremy Clarkson, and, and like you say, I'm, I'm I'm picking those two because they're high profile recent examples, but it, <laughs> it, it happens it happens all across society, you know. Um, the irony is that those guys, even if they can't notice it within themselves, they have had their mental health struggles where they've been acting differently, behaving differently. Even if they don't recognise it as being a mental health problem, they will have had periods in their life where they would have been low and depressed and they may not have called it mental health, but that's absolutely what it was. And mm. well, I, I, I don't know why mates don't talk about it. So, I mean, it's, it's, I do think women are more open and women do tend to chat through things a lot more and men try and often put their head down and just plow on and crack on. And I don't know why that is really. But um, I remember when I first started in radio uh, and I moved up to London and I was doing a, uh, uh, overnight show on capital radio and i had no right to be there in terms of i had skipped so many rungs of the ladder because my dad had worked in radio through contacts i had like my sister and stuff i managed to get the chance to do demos for capital from there they said toby you're really funny but you're a crap radio presenter <laughs> but they said we can they said we can teach you the radio side uh, the most important thing is that you make us laugh and we can we can work with the rest so they chucked me on a national show on a radio station where I'd not really done any radio. Now, there are people listening to this who probably want to get into radio who will hate my guts, and deservedly so. I skipped so many <laughs> rungs of the ladder. But I really struggled with it. Uh, and the first couple of years at Capital, I felt so out of place. I felt like I was stealing a living. I felt like I had no right to be there. I felt like somebody else who had worked harder than me deserved to be there. But the problem was, even though I knew I was struggling and I knew my head wasn't right, I didn't want to whinge because I didn't want to go back to my mates who were still, you know, just, you know, working in the pub or whatever and all saw my glamorous radio job as the coolest thing in the world. I didn't, yeah. want, to sit, I didn't want to sit down in front of my mates, my best mates who I love to pieces, and, and sound like I was complaining about doing a radio show on a national station. And so I just decided to just keep it to myself. And, oh, I look back now, and I look back now and, I, and I've told them about it since, you know, and they all say, I wish you'd said something at the time. And I wish I'd said something at the time as well. But I was young, you know, I was early 20s. Um, but that, I think, is just an example of maybe the male, you know, the male mind frame is to yeah. often try and, oh, I'll get through this by myself. I'll be fine. And if I could go back and talk to my younger self now, I'd have 100% spoke to my mates about it. Um, so... I've I've been guilty of it in the past as well, which is why I'm so big on it now. But I think sometimes it's just it's male ego, it's male pride. That you know, men are naturally egotistical, and naturally no, there's a lot of pride. Well, you know, and that's as simple as that, really. 
Well, do you think with you, because you did mention you obviously have a, like a well-known dad in the industry. Um, do you think that, did you have any pressures growing up, I guess, to be in the public eye or was your parents very like supportive? Like you don't have to be in the public eye if you don't want to. Did you feel like you have to be as successful as your dad was? Because uh, no, that would I mess mean, with my mental health. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you know, I think certainly when I first started out, um, you know, it was all that same sort of time when I first started out in radio. Nobody else put pressure on me, but I put pressure on myself. I kind of yeah. thought, well, I'm Chris Tarrant's son, and he is a legend of this industry, and here I am, you know, not very good, still learning the ropes, and everyone's <laughs> expecting me to be Chris Tarrant Part Two. Uh, I think looking back, nobody probably was expecting that, but I think I put that pressure on myself. But no, I mean, I my, my parents would have supported anything I chose to do. You know, there's six children of us in total and only myself and my sister have ended up going down this, this route at all. So the other four had no interest in it. Uh, to be honest, the only reason I ended up doing it was actually my sister. I was working at a pub. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, I was very happy drifting through life. And it was actually my sister who said to Capital, you should... Uh, get my brother in I think he'd be really good and so I hadn't had my heart set on radio at all um, yeah at all but no I think early on maybe I put some pressure on myself because of my surname um but if, look, I, I, it's six one half a dozen the other my surname certainly opened doors so it gave me a great opportunity I think I remember one of the bosses at Capital could tell I was struggling and it's about six months in he said something to me that meant a lot at the time. And I don't think he realised how much it meant. But I just felt like, why? I've got no right to be here. I'm only here because of my surname, blah, 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 blah. These were the four. But you obviously must have some talent. Like, don't discredit yourself. Like, I'm not saying you, you don't believe, like, you don't belong here. But obviously you do because you've got fans and you're actually good at what you do. Like, <laughs> well, this is this is kind of what he said to me. He said he, he said to me, he goes, Toby, he goes, do not just think that we would put you on a show because of who your dad is. He goes, you're on the show because you impressed us. And you're still on the show because you're doing a good job. And now, you know, here I am uh, years later. That's so I'm, nice. very, I'm very comfortable in my own skin now. I'm, I've, I've carved my own path. I think I've sort of stepped out of my dad's shadow. I'm my own man. I don't try and do any, I don't try and be him. I never really have. But so now I'm really comfortable in my own skin. But that's kind of growing up and getting older and, 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 and doing the job for longer as well. Yeah. Did your dad give you any advice when you told him that you're going to be doing like Capital and then Radio X? Did he give you any like fatherly advice? It's funny, you know, because when I first went to him, uh, when I first started, I said, I said, Dad, I said, I'm, you know, I'm pretty nervous here. I'm about to do a national radio show, having never done it before. And uh, I said, have you got any advice? And he and he actually said, he said, I'm not going to give you any advice. And he go and, and I said, <laughs> oh, thanks very much. Cheers. Right. Great. <laughs> And, uh, and he said, no, he goes, you're your own man. We're very similar, but we're also very different. So he goes, you've got to basically work it out for yourself the same way that I did. And at the time, I was living. I was oh, thanks, Dad. Cheers. <laughs> uh, but, it, but now I can see what he was doing, and it makes a lot of sense. So in the end, it was actually very useful. But no, he, he, he's very much left me to it. Um, but it's nice that I can – it's not a normal job. So it's nice that when I am, you know, if there is anything going on at work, that I've got somebody who I can pick up the phone and bounce things off because yeah, there's not many people like that Yeah, like you know have someone that can like. actually give you advice about the industry. My dad knows nothing. If I'm like, Dad, I don't know what to do with this, like, segment. And there's like, I don't know, he was a librarian. So he's smart. He's, like, actually brains, librarian, yeah. English teacher. Then there's me, <laughs> like, I'm not smart. But, no, it's good that you have that connection. But did you and your family talk about mental health growing up? Like, I know you was six kids and then your parents. Did you, like, have that open discussion about mental health and being there for your family? Was that a thing that you guys did? Uh, not enough, quite simply. I, I think... Um, we and we we now kind of recognize it but i think we were terrible when we were we, as a family for you know we'd have a there'd be a huge domestic or a huge row about something or another and mm. the dust would slowly settle and we would ignore it and move on and act like nothing happened and uh it's it's only looking back now i realized that that was the worst possible way of dealing <laughs> with it but I've, I've 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 you know my siblings and i are really close and we've spoken about it in recent years that we had a terrible habit of just burying our heads in the sand and ignoring, you know, ignoring arguments and ignoring uh, problems. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name them, but I've had siblings who have really struggled with their mental health in recent years. And I think we've all got a lot better at talking to one another and realising that they're not just going to go away. I think that's the big thing is that I think people just think 
they just tick off days when they're struggling. They just keep ticking mm-hmm. off days and keep waking up the next day and thinking, well, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow will be better. But that's not the solution because before it's you not- know it, you've been before you know it, you've been depressed for three, four, five years. And it really, it's, you know, that may sound like an extreme example, but I know people that have been in that situation. So if you can be proactive and do something about it, then it, you know, it's not just going to disappear by itself. I I know they say time's a great healer, but with depression, you don't think straight. You don't think straight. 100%. Like, I'm probably being a bit too honest now, but whatever, YOLO. Um, So about 10, it's so weird that you say that. Yeah. And this is obvious. I'm not making this up. So my mom passed away when I was 16 and I'm like, I'm 28 now. I did what what you were saying you did. I just kind of ignored her. I'm like, didn't want to accept her. They're like, you should see a professional. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'll get over it. Literally, I didn't see a professional until 10 years later. And I remember the professional was like, you should have not seen us so late because it has kind of like not traumatized me, but it's kind of triggered a few things. Not like, not necessarily like with depression or whatever, but it has triggered things. And one wish that I did do was see a professional straight away. Like my dad did, like my brother did, like my other family members did, but me, I was like, not. And that's one regret that I did have because I probably wouldn't been so like, I'm a bubbly person, don't get me wrong, but I just brushed it off, brushed it off, just like what you and your family have said they've done. But that's one regret that I, I do have, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the, the, the important thing is, you know, you wish you'd gone, but the fact that you did it at all, most people don't. Most people think I can cope with this on my own and stuff. And they are professionals for a reason, you know. And, uh, I know, yeah. That, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's like they said they wish you'd come sooner. It, it's, it's a cliche at the moment that mental and physical health, you know, they're one and the same, but it's completely true. And if you wouldn't, if you had a cut on your leg that was slowly getting infected and turning ugly and turning gangrenous or whatever, <laughs> you wouldn't 10 years later go to the hospital. But if you did, they would go, oh, we wish you'd come sooner. We could have done something about this a lot earlier on. And it's exactly yeah, the same thing. That's a good thing. analogy, yeah. It's exactly the same thing. It really is. So, yeah, I think, um, I do think the tide is turning on mental health. I think it's being spoken about so much more. I feel like in the last 10 years, it's come on leaps 100%, and bounds. percent yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it, it's such a... It's no longer a taboo topic at all. It's a huge topic. And, you know, you look at things like, you know, uh, Prince Harry and William have been amazing on it. Um, So many high profile charities now. So that statistic that goes around that suicide is the biggest killer of men under 40 is absolutely horrendous. It's horrendous because it's it's one of the few that's preventable. Sadly, there's illnesses out there, as we've learned in the last 18 months, there's illnesses and things out there that you can do very little to avoid. And sadly, there's some horrible ways of dying out there that there's very, there's not much you can do to stop them. Suicide is one that we can stop. And so it seems crazy to live in a society where we don't do everything we possibly can to stop it. And I do think the tide is turning. And I hope over the next few years, we'll see those statistics start to come down because of all the work being done recently. No, 100%. Even with the shows like Love Island, um, I forgot what his name was. I think it was that the, the guy who passed away who killed himself, unfortunately, a few um, few years ago. And there's obviously the late Caroline Flack. And it's just, it just really, really sad to think that someone would have thought literally they didn't shouldn't live anymore. And I'm glad that people are speaking up about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are more like, hey, are you okay? You know, yeah. like asking people, like when someone asks me, how you going? I'm like, yeah, I'm good, actually. Thanks. Even like I don't like, I'm always making sure like I'm talking to my friends, even if like they're having a great day. I always make sure that I make sure I don't go to bed like angry at anyone. I'm kind of weird like that. But people just need to support each other. Like as you mentioned before, like even you wish that you told your friends early on that you felt kind of pressured, not pressured, but you thought you weren't doing a good job at your job. But even like just supporting others, no one really knows how much support actually means to someone. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. And uh, there was a beautiful moment recently, actually. Uh, so I've got a WhatsApp group with uh, my, my closest group of mates. There's about 15 of us in this WhatsApp group. We all went to school together. You know, we're like brothers. And yet even us, as close as we were, had never, ever really spoken about it. We were, you know, guilty of being the typical group of lab mates who... It didn't really address it. Mm. Um, and uh, somebody that I didn't know, you know, I, I knew them. I knew them. I wasn't best mates of them. I didn't know them particularly well. But somebody 
uh, in our workplace, sadly, uh, took his own life. And I used to see him most mornings and say hello, and he was always incredibly cheery. And, oh, hello, Toby, mate, how are you? And uh, I worked with him a little bit at one point uh, back when I first started out, and he was a lovely, lovely bloke. And I never would have guessed that he was struggling, never in a million years. And the news came out, you know, we heard around the building um, that he had passed away and, and that he'd taken his own life. And I just remember being absolutely shocked and I was a bit shaken up. And I picked up my phone and I went to the WhatsApp group uh, with my 15 mates in because I'm always there championing male mental health and telling people to talk to each other. But I was just like, do I actually do it enough myself rather than just telling people, you know, acting holier than thou and telling people to do it themselves? So I sent this message to my group of mates and I said, I said, hi, lads. I said, sorry for the uh, serious message. I know normally this group's just for, you know, talking about football and whatever and planning what we're going to do this weekend. But uh, I'm a bit shaken up by this, uh, what's happened at work because this guy always seemed so upbeat and so cheery. And I just said, look, lads, I love you. And I just want us, our group to become better at talking about these things. And uh, because I'd hate it. I'd feel so guilty, I think, if I woke up one day to hear the same news about some of you guys. Yeah. And um, the reaction from my group of mates, honestly, I could have cried. It was it was beautiful. Uh, everyone replied either to say, mate, like, amazing message. Thank you for doing that. Uh, three of them said that they had been doing uh, cognitive behavioural therapy and they'd never told us about it. Three of them said they'd, they'd, they'd done it, but they never felt comfortable telling us about it. But because of my message, they felt comfortable talking about it. Um, and it's completely changed the whole dynamic of the group in terms of we're so much more open about it now. And it took one WhatsApp. It, it, it took one WhatsApp It's so to easy just to message yeah. someone, you know. And if you yeah. don't mind me asking, I think I know who you're talking about. Was that the EP executive producer of Capital, The Breakfast yeah, Show? So, so Roman Kemp did an incredible documentary on it as well. And like I said, oh, I, didn't I know, watched that. It was brilliant. It, um, it was Do you amazing. keep in contact with Roman about, like, did you ever speak to him about the impact he made and even the global in general? Yeah, I, I um, no, when when it first happened with Joe, I, I sent a message to the capital team and they all replied, and, you know, I said, thank you very much. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 you know, I didn't know Joe anywhere near as well as those guys. I mean, those guys were best friends of him, but I saw him every morning and he was so chipper and he was saying like, you never would have guessed it. And it just, it was close enough to home that it made me send that WhatsApp group to my to my mates. And I'm so glad I did. So if there are guys listening to this who are, you know, they, 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 you know, I get what it's like. I'm from a very manly group of mates and we all just, like I say, talk about football and we go to the pub and we're very stereotypical, I guess, in some ways. And if they don't feel comfortable, you know, face-to-face -face sending that, uh, saying that, you can hide behind a WhatsApp message if it makes you feel more comfortable. Yeah. I just did it. I just did it because it was an easy way of contacting all 15 of them at once. But I'm so glad I sent it. And um when next time we all saw each other, we were all saying how heartwarming the reaction to that message was. And we've had other people tell us, oh, we saw the conversation in your friend's group and it was such a beautiful thing to see the reaction to it. Yeah, so that, that uh, I was so pleased about the reaction to that. And that is, you know, an example of, uh, I think it's become like almost buzzwords and cliches now of, oh, make sure you ask your friends how you are and speak to them. But no, of they're, course. They're, yeah. they're cliches because they work. The experts know it works. So, so take their word for it. Like, I've got, like, literally chills right now. I'm like, I'm not even kidding. Like, it's hot. You can't say it's because of the weather. But do you think that you, because you do work in a pretty male-orientated industry, do you think that is difficult on mental health? Like, obviously, besides from the amazing Pippa, um, but do you work, do you think working in a male-orientated industry, that makes it difficult? Um. I don't know, really. I don't know. I think everyone's individual. I think, you know, there could be, I could work with, uh, you know, a hundred women in the office as well. But if somebody's struggling with their mental health, they're struggling with their mental health. So no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, look, I think, you know, from, from, I can only really speak from the angle of what I do as my job. Um, look, at the end of the day, any radio presenter that tells you that they haven't got an ego is lying to you. We would, we would <laughs> do something else if we didn't have an ego. We, we clearly... Yeah. We clearly want, want our voice to be heard and think that we're entertaining or interesting enough to do it for a living. So we've all probably got male egos and they probably all bruise maybe uh, easier than most, I guess. I don't know. But um, I, I like to think, anyway, the most important thing is, like I say, the reason I say it's individual cases is as long as the workplace is comfortable, I like to think anybody on that on that Radio X presenters lineup could could come to 
our boss or somebody in the building and be very honest if they were struggling and get an amazing reaction from the company that does a lot for the company internally does a lot for mental health and they're really across it they're very forward thinking in that respect as i think every workplace going forward is starting to become as well yeah it looks like it's changing which is amazing yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah so um yeah I, i can only speak from you know my individual point of view but being a presenter is a weird one. It, you know, we live in a day and age now where, you know, if somebody if somebody hates me on my show, they can send me a text and send me a tweet and I'll read it. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that the Radio X listeners, the large majority seem to have taken to me and warmed to me. You still get the odd one that, it, uh, you know, will we'll message in to basically <laughs> call you not, many, not very nice words. And uh, <laughs> I, at first I struggled with it. I did struggle with it. And, uh, and my whole act of oh, not caring about anything and Toby, he just laughs around and he doesn't mind. I struggled with it at first when I first, you know, I could get, I remember when I first covered Chris Moyles and I probably got 250 lovely messages that, that like when I finished on the Friday of what a great week. But I think two people you know, hated it. And they're the only two that I, I focus on. Yeah. And now, I, honestly, I'm not just saying this to sound bravado, but now I couldn't care less because I've realised it comes with the territory. But I've really yeah. struggled a bit at first. And uh, and no matter how many people were loving the show, I just remember the, the one person that didn't. But uh, it comes with the territory. There's lots of perks to the job. It's a very nice job, but that is one of the, one of the downsides. I just think that people need to realise that send those tweets and send those texts that there is a human being at the other end reading it. I know uh, you guys are human beings. Be nice. Like yeah. you don't have yeah. to say how terrible people are. Like the amount of <laughs> phone calls I've received. Cause I was one of those people that, cause I worked a hard or dance all these phone calls. I'm like, why are you being so mean? Like, yeah. stop. <laughs> well, Pippa has been known to call people back that have messaged into Chris Moyles before and just call them back and just outright go, why did you send that? And oh, they that's all, amazing. she's done it. She's done it a few times. She never lets Chris know she's done it. Uh, but she just will literally save their number, call them back after the show. And without fail, as soon as they're confronted with the reality of it, they absolutely shit themselves and apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a great expression that I really like that is uh, putting out somebody else's light doesn't make yours shine any brighter. Which I think oh, is a beautiful, beautiful. it's a beautiful expression that basically means, look, if you're having a shit day, dragging that person down with you it doesn't make your day any better it just means their day is now shit as well basically. i know yeah. I'm, just, I'm not even kidding i want i'm so dramatic i once was having i was moving i was really stressed out so i had a go at some lady on the phone about a moving houses or whatever I, I, when i got off the phone i hung when i hung up i called her back 15 minutes later and i literally apologized to her i'm like hey i just realized that's not your problem it's me blah, blah, blah. and she didn't expect it i swear <laughs> to god i literally called back and apologized i was being because I, I don't like being rude to people and i just realized it wasn't her fault i was just having a bad day does not mean she has to have a bad day and you like mental health is so important and you don't know what yeah. someone is going through like maybe she had a death in the family or something so just be nice to people because maybe yeah. if someone's being mean to you toby like you might be having a bad day you know what i yeah. mean just be nice you know yeah, abs- absolutely i mean look we you know we've all done it we've all you know got annoyed at the delivery driver because he took an hour and a half to get there when actually he it wasn't he didn't make the food slowly do you know what i mean you know people <laughs> People complain to the waiters when their food's cold, but they're not the waiter didn't cook it for them. So we, we've all been guilty of doing it. But absolutely, I think, you know, it's very easy and it sounds all a bit, you know, utopian to sit here and be like, just be nice to everybody all the time. Yeah. But, pretty, but pretty much that's that's what we're aiming for, I guess. Um, it's easier said than done. But like you mentioned there as well, you don't know what sort of day you're having. Um it can depend on, it genuinely can, you know, I, if I get a text into the show, somebody saying, you know, Toby, you're a wanker, I fucking hate your show, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 99% of the time I'll laugh at it. Uh, sometimes I'll even give them a mention uh, or I'll, or if they tweet me, sometimes I just like the tweet. But there have been days where I'm not in the mood for it and it comes in and it's the last thing I need to read because I'm having a shit day anyway. Yeah, I know. Uh, and so uh, that's where I just think people, when they're writing on Twitter or they're sending a text, it's it doesn't they don't they don't it doesn't feel real. It, we we live online and on our phones so much nowadays. But you need to remember that at the other end, there is a human being who's reading it. And I'm I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty thick skinned But you know, there's a lot of presenters, and I've got mates who are presenters who really struggle with it. Yeah. Really, really struggle with it because they're not you know 
that you can't please all the people all the time. Um, and so I've got presenter mates that have, have said to me before, you know, I don't know how you, how do you cope with it? Cause whenever I get one, it completely ruins my day. And it's not nice to hear that from your mates and your colleagues. No, of course. Yeah. Like we are, we do live, we do work in a very mean industry, but you just got to, honestly, you just got to ignore it and you don't just don't compare, ignore it. And there, is there anything that you do to like, cause you're obviously a very, very positive person, which is amazing, but is there anything that you do to kind of maintain your mental health? Like, do you do any, like you're, you're really into your exercise. Like you do cricket, I believe. Do you do cricket? Yeah, not exercise. I, I play a lot of sport. Not yeah. I can't I, I can't go to the gym or anything like that. But I, I love <laughs> playing sport. Uh, yeah, that's huge for me. You know, I, I, so I play cricket throughout the summer, and it's a it's a it's a massive part of my life. It, you know, I know it sounds to some people like basically <laughs> just like a childish hobby that I'm still doing. But it genuinely, I remember when I first moved to London, and I was like, oh, am I, am I going to play cricket on the weekends? You know, it's it's 45 minutes out of town. You know, it takes up your whole day. Cricket is the most anti-social sport in the world. I don't know how Pippa puts up with me disappearing for, you know, 15 hours every Saturday uh, and stumbling in, stumbling in very drunk at around midnight. But um, it, it takes up your whole day, you know, and I was like, am I really going to keep playing cricket every Saturday? Um, and I'd say now I appreciate cricket more than I've ever appreciated it in my life because I live in London in quite a, I guess, high pressure industry Monday to Friday so on a Saturday, to go and play on a cricket pitch with 10 of my other best mates and also 10 people who couldn't care less what I do for a living. They're not impressed by me. They're I'm like, just, who? I don't care. Radio what? Exactly. Exactly that. Honestly, most of my best mates have never heard me on the radio in their entire <laughs> lives, and I love them for it. But I, there's, they're not impressed by me at all. They just know me as Toby from the cricket club that's been there since I was nine years old. And so that's a huge thing for me. And and just, I'm very fortunate to have a, a good group of mates who basically they keep me grounded because if ever there was any hint of an ego, they would absolutely tear me down for it. And oh, quite, yeah. right to, <laughs> quite right too as well. So yeah, I, I make sure that um, I, as soon as, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate, I guess I can do this, but I leave my work at work very, very much, and 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 just that's come so home. important. Yeah, you got you can't bring negativity in your work environment and work environment like outside. And as you said, there's like support. Hopefully, the support networks at your job. If you are dealing with a few things, like hey, I'm just struggling at the moment, or vice versa with your friends, just like call them up. Like, is there any advice you could give someone that might be battling their mental health, or is it just literally communication? I mean, communication is the absolute is the absolute uh, be all and end all. I, I would say as well that I'm aware that there will be people listening to this, for example, who say, "Well, that's all very well and good for you, but I don't play cricket, or actually, you know, I don't have a, a great group of of, of mates, and and mm. so it's very easy for you to say, "Oh, I'll just pick up the phone and call my mate and go to the pub and chat to them about it." Um, that is what these charities are there for. Mind and Samaritans and all these char charities are there for people that either don't feel confident enough to talk to their mates openly about it or genuinely don't have that support network. I'm very fortunate. I've got a large family, a large group of friends. But I mean, you've mentioned, for example, yourself, you're on the other side of the world at the moment uh, during a pandemic. Your family's all down in Australia. It's, it's not as easy for you to just be like, oh, well, you know, I'm feeling a bit I'm feeling a bit stressed out, but oh, I'll just go to the pub with my friends this afternoon. It's not not everyone can do that. No, so, those, yeah. so those charities are there for that. But it is all about talking about it. I, I genuinely don't think that you can start to even begin to heal until you've openly admitted it and said it out loud that you are struggling until you. The hardest step, I think, is admitting that you're struggling with your mental health. And until you've addressed that, I, I don't know how you can even begin to start to to basically cure it. So, yeah, yeah I, I, but this is the message that I think genuinely the last 10 years, I do think the pennies dropped. And I get a lot of lovely texts and tweets from listeners that say they've been struggling recently, but they've spoke, you know, they've um, they've they've confronted their mental health and they're starting to address it. And they've spoken to their mates or charities. So I do think that message is getting out there, but it can't be said enough times. It really cannot.
Oh, of course. And don't be ashamed as well. I know with me, I was a bit, because I'm a fairly bubbly person. Like when, when one moment I'm not smiling, someone's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> and don't be ashamed. No, I've been ashamed in the past to be, I'm a bit upset and not helping others. And then when someone's helping me, I'm like, no, no, no. I like to help someone, but no, just, and I feel like another thing as well, just don't be ashamed. Like if you need help and if you're depressed or you're anxious or whatever you might be going through, don't be ashamed of that. And as you say, you just got to accept it because as once you accept it, then the help is out there. You know what I mean? And as you said, yeah, I've got family. I can't really pick up the phone, but really I'm not, you just don't think you're alone because you actually, I know it sounds cheesy. You're not alone. There's so yeah. many people out there. Like I sometimes just go to a cafe just to communicate with like the worker there. And without them yeah. knowing the worker asked me how I'm going, how I'm going. I'm like, like it's made my day as cheesy yeah. as that sounds, you know? Yeah, completely. That's it. There is uh yeah, it, it's, it, that is an important part of it is I know it's not been easy in the last 18 months, but, but it's so easy when you're struggling. And I know this from close friends and family who have gone through depression and are going through depression. I know how easy it is to, to draw the curtains and just lock yourself away. But you mentioned there getting out and about and going to the cafe. If you can force yourself to get a bit of structure and, you know, have a shower in the morning and put some fresh clothes on and get out the house. It, it makes a world of difference, no matter, even if it's the last thing that you want to do. Um, I, I always compare it to whenever you're ill or even if you're just really hung over, the two best things you can do are drink loads of water and eat loads of food. But they're the two things that you want to do the least. The thought yeah. of doing it. And, and it's exactly the same with mental health that <laughs> The, the things that you want to do the least are exactly the things that you need to do if you want to start to, to feel better. I mean, when I mean, you mentioned uh, suicide there earlier, and uh, this is a very depressing uh, documentary that I watched, but it was fascinating called The Bridge. And if anybody's not seen it, I really recommend it. And it, and it basically talks about the Golden Gate Bridge and how many people jump off it. Um, but a few people they talked to have jumped off it and survived and they speak to them, and all of them say the same thing. And this stuck with me so much. And anybody that's ever tried to kill themselves and survived it says the exact same thing. And it's a really sad but sobering but really important point. They all said as soon as they jumped, they regretted it. And that is terrifying. That's absolutely oh terrifying. And they all said they, said they didn't want to end their life. They just wanted to end that day. And they don't think about the permanence of it because they're not thinking straight. And I know that's not a fun, cheery topic at all, but it's so, so important that I completely understand why when people at their absolute lowest point think, well, do you know what? If I end it all, at least all my problems go away because you're not thinking clearly whatsoever. I know. It, it's, it's, it, it can't ever be the solution. And we as a society need to make sure that those statistics come, come down so much quicker than they are at the moment because anybody who could take a step back and it's very easy to do when you're feeling fine mentally to look at the bigger picture will tell you that is not the solution, but they just can't see it when they're in that moment. So it's, uh, it's so important. And that's the, that's the one thing that I just, I, I really do believe that the statistics are going to really improve over the next decade or so because people are now starting to talk about these things. Yeah. And I just want more people just to communicate with people like just what you didn't have to, but you chose to message those people after Joe passed away. And I think doing that as well, just putting yourself out there like, Hey, I'm just checking up on you and you might've saved a life. You never know. Like, I don't like oh, that might sound a bit dramatic, but, um, it's all about asking someone how you're going, you know, and that's why when I'm taking Ubers and stuff, like you could just tell, I'm really good at reading people. I could just tell the people that want to talk. Like I had an Uber driver today that he was talking, 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 but you could just tell he just didn't have a lot of people to talk to and you can just be nice. Like I know it's easier said than done, but what you were mentioning in the documentary, I had an intimate family member who did try to commit suicide and in that moment, it's like they just wanted to end it. That moment, they didn't want. As you said, they don't want to end them their life. They want to end that moment. And I really hope that people can get out of that mindset. Whether it's like talking, hearing this podcast, or hearing other things, just to kind of change it. Because yeah, it's just something just like I'm really like passionate about, especially when it comes to male mental health. Because I was being brought up just by my dad and my brother, really. But um, I know it sounds really deep and stuff, 
I mean, it was, it's, uh, I mean, people that are listening to this that are used to me just prattling on about, you know, penises and then playing Arctic <laughs> monkeys are going to be, are going to be a little bit surprised, but it's, it's so important that we talk about these things. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful the fact that I am annoyingly chipper and positive and normally being very silly and funny, hopefully has a bit of an impact when I talk about serious topics like this, because I think that's yeah. why I've really zoned in on male mental health because I'm very fortunate to be annoyingly positive and annoyingly chipper, but I reckon, <laughs> so therefore I'm able to spot it maybe a bit more. And also I recognize because I'm normally so up there, I'm very, I know when I'm having a bad day and I know when I'm not right. And therefore I'm able to tap into it quite quickly and, and address it. And I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. A lot of people don't find it as easy as that. So I guess, um, yeah, I, I, it's just something so important to me because like I said, my group of mates, I'd, I w even though it wouldn't necessarily, it would never be your fault at all. I, w I would always feel guilty and ask myself, could I have done more if, if something like that happened to one of my friends? I just, I, I just would, even though it'd be absolutely nothing I could have done. Probably, um, I just don't want to regret asking people how they really are. No, exactly. Yeah. Well, to round things up, what would you say is the one thing you shouldn't do if you're struggling with? mental health issues. I guess there isn't really a shouldn't or shouldn't do. I guess in my opinion, you can just doing something is it's, you can't really lose. You know what I mean? I feel like if you just say, Hey, and even if they're like, no, no, I'm fine. It's all good. You know? Yeah. I'd rather check in with my mates and them laugh at me and go, don't be stupid. I'm absolutely fine. Then the, the not check in at all. Yeah, you know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would say, Exactly. Don't do exactly what is the most tempting thing to do if you're struggling, which is hide away and just think, oh, it will get better. You know, tomorrow's another day. It, it, it's it's not a long term solution at all. Um, and, you know, life is life is short in the long run. And you don't want to mm -hmm. you don't want to lose days, weeks, months, years of your life, you know, just ticking off days. You know, you want to you want to live life. But the only way to do that is to adjust these things. So it's so tempting to lock yourself away and draw the curtains and just try and just try and plow on through and get your head down. And I was guilty of doing it in my early radio days. That was exactly how I tried to deal with it. I was living by myself at the time. So there was no one who could even gauge it. I could walk into work, be my usual loud, annoying, brash self for three hours, pretend I was absolutely fine, go back home, you know, and 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 be in a weird headspace. And I knew I was, but I just didn't I just didn't want to admit it, basically. Yeah. So you know, just um yeah, just be just be honest with yourself because um and I think there's a real British thing. British people are weirdly polite. And I genuinely think sometimes it comes down to British people going, Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to bother them with my problems. That really is a British mindset, you know. That oh, you is, know, yeah. I, oh, oh, you know, they, they're in a good mood. I don't want to drag them down. You know, I, I'll deal with it myself. I don't want to pester them. That is really a British mindset a lot of the time, and it's so outdated. You know, it's so it's so old school. Uh, and I think every gen, I think the younger generation are way more in touch with their mental health than the generation before. Oh no, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just finished reading Barack Obama's book and he finishes he, for all the negativity throughout the book. And you kind of at times you're reading it so depressed at the state of the world. He does finish on the note that all the young people that he's met are so much more liberal and understanding and that the future is bright. It just doesn't always feel like it at the moment because there's still a lot of dinosaurs out there dragging the whole thing down. But uh, <laughs> I do believe that this, the younger generation are more in tune with things like this than ever before. And so I am really optimistic that the statistics are going to improve over the next few years. I hope so. And I hope that these um, celebrities and well-known people stop calling out people such as Piers Morgan, Jeremy Clarkson, <laughs> stop calling out people for... Um, talking about their mental health like shut your mouth you don't always need an opinion and if you do just say it like in a book or something like literally write it down in a diary because that does impact people as well so i really hope that like i doubt Piers Morgan going to be listening to this like, i'm sure this is his number one podcast that he listens to <laughs> but um just i just really, really want celebrities which a lot of celebrities are to be fair like the people yeah. that i follow they do really talk about mental health which is amazing but um yeah i just yeah, I just want celebrities to like, yeah, just shut up. <laughs> I, I would say the old signs, you know, the old stereotypical example of masculinity has been proven. I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson admitted to his mental health struggles. Now, that is on paper the manliest man on the planet, <laughs> right? 
It doesn't get any manlier than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's called The Rock, for fuck's sake. Literally. I mean, come on, right? So it doesn't get any manlier than him. You know, I'm a big cricket fan. Ben Stokes has just come uh, taken some time out of the game because of his mental health. And to us, he is Superman. He's the best yeah. England cricketer probably I've ever seen. He is stereotypically macho, tattoos down both his arms, you know, a huge tattoo of a lion on his back. And he's going, <laughs> my mental health is struggling. So any notions you have of, of you know, what it is to be a man... Well, you can forget about them because Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Ben Stokes have admitted they're struggling. So it's mental health attacks everybody. Exactly. It, not, it doesn't matter how big or small you exactly. are. Exactly, yeah. And and what would you say is the key to your mental health? Um, genuinely, when I'm when I'm not right, I, I go to Pippa straight away. I go to Pippa straight away. Um, and if not her, I, I've got, you know two or three mates that I can message at any point and uh, and say, let's go for a beer. And, you know, e even if it's not necessarily always to actually chat to them about my mental health, I'll just organise a beer with them because at least if I'm sat there with my mate, having, one of my best mates having a beer in the pub, I don't think about my mental health for, for two hours. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a welcome distraction. And so even if it's not, you don't have to always text your friends to say, you know, I'm in a really bad way. You can just text your mates to go, hey, want to go for a beer? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just important to not shy away from it and hide away from the world when you are struggling and just be honest with yourself. Because I think everybody knows really when they're struggling. Maybe, yeah, you, don't always, maybe you don't always know the extent of it. And maybe it's only years later you look back at how you were acting, and how you're behaving. And that's certainly what happened with me with the radio at the start. I only realized now what a weird headspace I was in. But I certainly knew at the time I wasn't right and that I wasn't my usual chipper self. And so I wish I'd been more honest back then. If I could go back and slap myself around, I'd, I'd, tell, you know, I'd tell myself to go and talk to people about it. So yeah, 100%. Yeah. It, it, it's the obvious advice that everyone's giving, but there's a reason they give that advice. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, let's end it off on a positive note, but obviously mental health, you can't, it's not a joke at all. But just lastly, congratulations on the engagement with Thank the Love My Life Chipper. I yes. love her so much. <laughs> she is. I'm, I'm a very lucky man. Uh, so, yeah, she's uh, she's uh, an absolute rock if I ever am struggling. And uh, I like to think vice versa. I like to think I'm quite good <laughs> yes. for her. I don't know if I'm great for her mental health when I come stumbling in through the door, you know, shit-faced at two in the morning. But uh, other than that, I like... <laughs> I like to think that uh, I'm good for her to lean on when she's having a having a low day as well. So yeah, very very lucky in that respect. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, no, thank you so much for coming on, and I'm sure a lot of people will learn from it. Is there anything coming up in the pipeline that you're going to be working on? Uh, no, you can always listen to me on Radio X, or if you're a cricket geek like me, you can listen to my podcast Zero Ducks Given. But uh, mainly, I'll just carry on um, just dicking around on radio and I'm very lucky to do what I do. I have a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah, I didn't know when I was struggling in the early years, I never thought I'd still be doing it. And now here I am six years later and I absolutely love it. So yeah, so I've been very fortunate to do what I do. So basically, if ever you're bored between 10am and 1pm, I'll be there. So this is Adulting. Thanks to Toby for joining me on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and I will see you soon.